Hello, 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 my friends, and cha-cha-cha. Hi, friends, this is Alex and Jennifer. Coming to you once again, it is the Aspie Files, your new favorite podcast. We are coming from coming to you from our beautiful studios here in the Southwest Florida. And we are actually, this is the first today, because we're actually out on the Lunai. We're actually having a swim. It's <laughs> so nice. Yeah, the last, actually the last two and a half, two days have been fantastic for us, haven't they, babe? They have been phenomenal. Yeah, they really have. And can I say, in all honesty, um, because we both work um, to the bone, yes. it is well worth it. Well worth to come out and have a nice swim, have yeah. some time off, yeah. relax. It totally. Well, and it also is, you know, because of the, I think it's not just because of the hours, but just because of the demands of our careers. We've been vegging around the house. It's, yeah, we've been vegging around the house, mostly because we've been, to, we've you know, been told by the, um, our friend, my friends in the meteorology and weather that there's a 50-50 chance we're going to get rain. And usually it came, but do you ever notice, babe, that it didn't come until five o'clock. dinner time? Yeah, five o'clock. So we had just enough time yesterday to jump in the pool and pull the weeds from our garden mm-hmm. yeah there's a, when we first bought this house back in april april it's been five months it's been five months what no it's been three months. months three three months it'll be four months uh in a couple of weeks that's though right. it will be yeah because we well, came here right after my birthday did we not that's right we did yeah yeah and i remember um we first came here the first thing you said was we got to pull those weeds yes we, we did some weeding today yeah oh uh, no yesterday yesterday but yeah it, it feels like today though doesn't it it does because it feels like, you know what I used to say about hours in a day, babe? Uh, what? There should be 50 hours in a day. 50 hours in a day. Or 100. I could do a, I could do that. Wow. I'll tell you what I could do in 50 or 100 hours. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I could sleep in. Yes. Um, have a good breakfast, preferably bacon or toast or waffles mm-hmm. and applesauce. Mm-hmm. That's like my go-to. And we like we had waffles this morning for breakfast, actually. Mm-hmm. And they were delicious, weren't they? They were so phenomenal. <laughs> We did that, uh, yeah, yeah, and so um, we did that, um, and yesterday after we pulled our weeds, we went in this beautiful pool that we're in. Yes, we had a good swim. And while listening to the 70s channel on Sirius XM radio, mm-hmm. and uh, the Prime Country. Yes, Prime Country. Which is 80s and 90s country. Yes. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good artists from that uh, era. A lot, of, yeah, and a lot of Garth Brooks was played on there. Mm-hmm. And um, some Alan Jackson, some George Strait. Um, right. Really the people that made country music really cool in the 90s. Very cool in the 90s. No, no, when it was actually country music. Right. <laughs> I've been saying for a long time, there are three kinds of country music now. Really? There is traditional country music. Traditional? There's country pop. Pop. There's country rock. And rock. Now, you can say, now here's the thing. They could go in one of those three groups. But you can't say it's all country. That's not true. Right. Like, traditional country to me is Alan Jackson, uh-huh. George Strait, uh, Dwight Yoakam, Joe Nichols, Chris Stapleton, uh, Tim McGraw put in that group. And then, you know, people are going to argue with me about Tim McGraw. But I say, no, no, Tim started off as traditional country, and he still is primarily. Because mm-hmm. if you look at his influences, there are people like Charlie Pride, Merle Haggard, George Strait. Hell, I saw him on the Bobby Bones radio show. Bobby Bones, for people that don't know, he's a very popular um, radio DJ. He's kind of like the Ryan Seacrest of country music. Oh, really? Yeah, and he actually is working with uh, Ryan now on Idol. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and Bobby just got married. Congratulations, Bobby. Congratulations, Bobby. And I saw Tim in the studio one day, in Bobby Bones' studio. Mm-hmm. 
and you will not believe what my man brought in. What did he bring in? A mariachi band. Very good. Tim brought in a mariachi band, and they did uh, the classic that you and I both know before the last teardrop falls by mm-hmm. Freddie Fender. Very good. What a great song, isn't it? What a great song. Yeah, it's wonderful. But uh, so we we, do, we did a lot of that this today, and both days we slept in too. We had a good sleeping in. Yeah, sa- well, probably more so on Monday. Yes, it was so nice it, to sleep in. It was, yes, it was absolutely wonderful to get those days off to sleep yes, in. Yes, it was. And so we slept in Monday till, I slept until about 12, 15. Mm-hmm. And you slept till about, what, 1, 1.30? 1 1.30. 1 1.15, Yes. Yeah, I was like, wow. I was, wow. But that, that was because you... felt like I was in college again. Really? Yes. Now, tell it tell the folks what college you attended. Seton Hall University. Right. And that's where you studied nursing? No, that's where I studied fine art and... Psychology. Really? Really. Wow. You know what's interesting? John Stewart from The Daily Show, he majored in psychology as well. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he first he was, um, uh, I keep forgetting what his major was before, but when he got in psychology, he said, and you confirm me on this one, mm-hmm. you pretty much can say whatever you want as long as you write at least five pages. Right. <laughs> a lot of essays. Yeah. And John's a good writer, so it kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so we, and today we slept till about uh, 11.20. About 11.20. 11.20, and we went kayaking. We had a really nice time kayaking in the mangroves. Yeah, I hit my arm on that branch, but luckily I'm fine. Alex did a great job kayaking. Oh my God, better than the last time. Much better. Well, last time we actually went kayaking on your property. Yes. So, yeah, uh, full disclosure, Jen lived on this huge property in Matlache when we first uh, started dating five years ago. Right. And... The area, you had your own kayak, right? Right. Did you have to sell it? No. You still have it? Still have it. Where is it? They, I gave it to the owners. Oh, so they have it. Right, they have it. Yeah, you should have charged them for I it. Know. <laughs> I know. How much do kayaks go for these days? Anyway, I don't know. Oh, about $300. Should have, should have sold them for 500 I should have. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's what the pawn shop would do. That's what the pawn shop would do. They would have charged right. a lot more. But so we did that. And, um... We've had a, a lot of cha-cha-chaing. Cha-cha-chaing. A yeah. lot of fun times. A lot of fun times. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, you know, to cha-cha-cha, they mean one thing. And to us, they mean, uh, well, <laughs> multiple things. <laughs> multiple things. Multiple beautiful things. Lots of, lots of fun things. It's like that song that uh, uh, Jamie Foxx did with Kanye West and Twisted, the, she wants some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross, <laughs> a little Anita. I love that song. That's a good song. It's a very I first heard it when I was a teenager, actually. Oh, really? I was, I was in high school when it came out. You were just a kid. Yeah, and I didn't know very much about Jamie Foxx. Oh. I really, and I certainly didn't know he could sing. Right. Then I knew he could, and then I saw him in the Ray movie. Okay. And once I saw him in the movie about Ray Charles, I was a fan for life after that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the other thing that helped me was when VH1, VH1 used to have a series called Driven. And it was kind of like biography, mm-hmm. but the weird thing is they never interviewed the actual person they were profiling. Oh, really? They interviewed the people that were there, so parents, siblings, friends, uh-huh. uh, friends in the business. Mm-hmm. And Jamie, they interviewed uh, relatives of his from Terrell, Texas. Oh. Yes. And they interviewed uh, Damon Wins, his buddy from um, In Living Color. Uh-huh. He actually called Damon when um, his first daughter was born. Really? Yeah, he called Damon and said, I just had a kid. I don't know what to do. Wow. And Damon has four kids. Wow. With his ex-wives. <laughs> so, mm. I, um, that's probably a good person to go to for advice. Yeah. yeah. Someone who has a bunch of kids. Right. <laughs> in any event. But in any event, 
Um, so, yeah, we, um, they talked about a living color. They talked about how he got into stand-up. They talked about his, his sitcom a little bit. Um, his first meeting with Tom Cruise, which, by the way, wasn't a great one. It wasn't? No, Tom Cruise didn't like him at first. That's not nice of Tom Cruise. They, they made their piece years later. That's good. Now, Oliver Stone didn't like him either. Really? No. But Oliver Stone, you gotta remember, too, he is a very driven director. Yes, he is. Much like Steven Spielberg is, much mm-hmm. like Spike Lee, much like Ron Howard, you know, Quentin Tarantino, who we mm-hmm. like very much. Um, I mean, I love Inglorious Bastards. I love Django. Django. This movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Now, your dad liked that movie. Right. I, I, if you, if I were to ask him, like, of recent movies, he probably mm-hmm. would cite that one as his favorite, I think. Right. If we were to, like, show him a hundred movies that came out in the last ten years, I think he'd point to that one. I think he would like that one. Yeah. There's probably a few others, but right. I think that one, and then he probably would have arguments with other ones. And, and probably, probably, probably legitimate ones, by the way. Probably. You know, because I'm... I don't know. Maybe I'm in the same school he is. I like movies with a story. Right. I, I think it's. I think it's pretty evident. I'm not a fan. A big fan of Marvel. I'm not a big fan of DC Comics. Although we did like Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. The first two Wonder Woman movies were excellent, and they're going to make another one. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, good. I mean, it, it essentially now has become a franchise. Yes, it's a franchise. Wonder Woman is a franchise. And I like Gal Gadot, and I think she's going to do other great roles as well. But I, I will argue that even if she goes on to win an Oscar for a role that nobody sees coming. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe, if I may, mm-hmm. that she will always be known as Wonder Woman. Right. Same with Arena Shake, Bradley Cooper's ex-girlfriend. Right. Now, she's a gorgeous woman, and she's very talented. Right. But the role we're going to know her for most, if any, is as Hercules' wife, Mrs. Hercules. Right. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that's what people are probably going right. to... Right. But it, it, it is what it is. I, I don't, I don't want to analyze that too much but in any event um no we've really had a great great last couple of days off and honestly it really started sunday night when you came home from work and i'd spent sunday basically fixing up this house i know it looks so clean and nice yeah i got the dog hair up clean the house did i really yes you made it look really nice and special i did for just for my wife nice and neat just for my fiance for my baby (laughs) wifey hubby wifey yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) But in any event, um, no, and I, I we got... We had a good pizza. We had a great pizza. Now, tell the people what was that pizza was on we that pizza. We had a vegetarian pizza. What kind of veggies were on there? Uh, peppers. Peppers. Mushrooms. Yeah. Were there olives on there? Some olives. Yeah, I thought so. I remember, yeah, I, and the lots of cheese. And lots of cheese. We can basically say that's a veg... You could say it's a vegetable or vegetarian pizza. It was a vegetarian pizza. Very good. Now, it wasn't a vegan because there was From cheese Publix. on there. From Publix, yes, from Publix. Yes, Publix has some great pizza. They really do have good pizza, absolutely. We've gotten cheese pizza from them. Right. We've gotten veg- vegetable... Pepperoni pizza. Oh, my favorite. My, pe- my favorite... Alex's favorite is pepperoni. My favorite will always be pepperoni. And you said something very interesting about pepperoni the other day and meat as general. You, what did you say to me? What did I say? That I'm a carnivore. You're a carnivore. <laughs> Which, let me make that very clear. I'm, I'm very happy you say that because it helps keep my masculinity. Yes. Along with other things. But... <laughs> The other thing is this. The other thing is this. Um, I just have to make it for people that are going to ask me this. Uh-huh. A carnivore only eats meat. Mm-hmm. An herbivore eats only plants. Oh. I'm an omnivore. Omnivore. And an omnivore eats meat and, and plants. plants. That is correct. So I like vegetables mm-hmm. and I like meat, preferably pepperoni, hot dogs, uh, steak, uh, chicken, lots of chicken. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we had we had uh, just chicken. We had Zaxby's last night for dinner. Oh, it was really good. Oh my God, was it barbecue ever? Barbecue chicken, it was very good. Yeah, I had barbecue chicken wings, and we still got a couple left in that refrigerator. I know. We had Texas toast. That was very good. French fries, and you had chicken wings. Chicken wings. Or chicken fingers. Chicken fingers. Did you put barbecue on yours? I did. You did. Wow. Very good. It is fantastic. I think it's one of the best sauces you can ever put. Yes. On any on any kind of meat. I, I go to the bank on that. Right. Next to ketchup, but I'm I, I'm I'm very partial to ketchup. But in any event, the reason we're talking about this and the reason we're coming to you about how we've enjoyed our two days off is this. I had a conversation recently with a friend of mine who coined the phrase on this podcast, Sports for Nerds, when we were talking about game shows. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, it is very, very important to take time for yourself when you're not working. Right. Because a lot of, and I also learned this from someone else very wise, Luciano Pavarotti. Mm -hmm. When he was on 60 Minutes the first time in the early 90s, one, he was still with his his first wife. Mm -hmm. And on top of the fact he was on the road 10 months out of the year. Wow. Yeah, 10 months out of the year. Wow. And then several years later, they profiled him. He uh, got together with a woman he was having an affair with. Oh, He left no. his first wife for um, a, a, um, a doctor. He did. Yeah, he did. And they, uh, anyway, they, I will say this, though. They were such a polar opposite that it kind of worked for some reason yeah because she didn't like his music she didn't and he didn't understand her love for bugs Mm -hmm. because she was a bug doctor oh really yeah although chris hardwick probably would because he um i can't remember what they called him give me one sec but that was that was her specialty oh yeah but um they were they were they were a lovely couple but hardwick would have liked her because he collects insects okay yeah chris can i say this is a nerd to like the 20th degree and I love him for that. Okay. He loves superheroes, he loves Star Wars, he loves stand-up comedy like I do. Mm-hmm. Preferably Richard Pryor, Carlin, and Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, he also loves game shows like I do. Mm-hmm. And he's the host of the wonderful game show that is The Wall, mm-hmm. which we've watched a little bit of this season. It's been really good. And we're excited to see it come back. Although, Chris, can I just say this, please, brother? Get a haircut. Get a haircut. Please, cut your hair. Whatever your wife, whatever Lydia did to that hair of yours... Right. Like, dude, you got to fix that up. Right. Like, it looks like a fake toupee. And, like, we already had an ex-president with a fake toupee, or, or at least one that I know mm-hmm. of. I'm sure there's others. But, like, dude, you don't need to look like that. Come on, right. man. You're still a young dude. Right. Mm. Or at least you, look, in my eyes, you look like one. But anyway, right. Right, right. in any event. Um, and speaking of game shows, not only have we enjoyed The Wall, but this summer we've been watching a wonderful game show on NBC called College Bowl. College Bowl. It has been Fantastic. Next to Jeopardy, it's been a very good game show. Yeah, our favorite television show by far is Jeopardy. Jeopardy is the best. Because we're that's the one of the few shows we'll make an appointment mm-hmm. to see it. Right. Next to Wheel and Lester Holt. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so we saw College Bowl, and I have to tell you, I was excited for it when I found out that uh, Alan Ludden had hosted this show more than 60 years earlier. And it was GE College Bowl then. Right. Now it's Capital One College Bowl. Capital One College Bowl. And I got to say, Peyton Manning's the host. Right. And his brother, Cooper, is the um, co-host. Right. He's uh, kind of like his um, um, Jay Stewart, um, 
Jay Stewart, Gene Wood, to his uh, Richard Dawson, Monty Hall. Mm-hmm. I say Jay Stewart for people that wouldn't know. Jay Stewart was the announcer on Let's Make a Deal in the 70s. Uh-huh. When it first, yeah, in the 70s with uh, Monty Hall. And Cooper kind of has that same, that same vibe, that no. same uh, personality, thank you, um, right. humor that Jay right. had. Um, I just hope uh, Cooper doesn't... Um, I hope that Cooper doesn't end up with the same problems that Jay had. Because I always I liked Jay. Jay was very talented. He And by the way, that was not the only game show he was on. Mm-hmm. He did Let's Make a Deal. He did The Joker's Wild. He did Tic-Tac-Toe. Mm-hmm. He also, you, know, you probably remember this, babe. He used to do voiceovers for the National Enquirer. Really? Yeah, you said that he, has a, he had a booming, powerful voice. Wow. He also was the announcer on a game show in the 80s called Sale of the Century. Sale of the Century. You remember that show? Yeah. It was a good show. Yeah, that was his voice in the beginning. Uh-huh. And be like, this is Alex Townsend. Stand by as he's about to go for a cash bonus of $50,000. As tonight. <laughs> and they would talk about the prizes they had. And the last prize was always a car. Oh, really? And like a luxury car. And nice. I loved it in the end when Jay would say, in total over $100,000, get me one on sale of the century. And you, and you would hear that echo. When he would say, Sal! And now, here's the host of our show, Jim Perry! <laughs> oh, man. And But no, um, Jay was talented, but when his daughter died, he was not the same after that. No. No, he had a very serious problem with alcohol, and unfortunately, he ended his life. Oh, that's too bad. It was great. He was a wonderful announcer and human being, and all I can say is that there's better ways, guys. There's better yeah. ways than that. And, you know, I know Jay really valued Bonnie and Carol Merrill and his daughter mm-hmm. and the people around him. But I think the one thing he didn't take care of was himself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's guys, you got to do that. You got to really, really, when you're not working, when you're not dealing with your family, right. whether it's in good times or whether it's dealing with bullshit, you got to learn to take care of yourself. A lot of people don't do that. No, they don't. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why we are living in that keeping up with the Joneses uh, vibe of the world. We don't need to. Right. Like, it's just, can we get to a point where we're taking care of ourselves, and then we can take care of others? That's what's, that's what's important. Right. It's self-care. There is nothing wrong with self-care. No. And, you know, we're learning that, and you know, as a couple, it's just beautiful to do that. But I want to talk about College Bowl briefly, if I may. So... The format of the show is um, college kids, three, it's teams of three. Mm-hmm. They come together and they're answering trivia questions in different subjects to win $1 million in scholarships. That's amazing. It is a great, and you said something very interesting. Did you say it was a lot like Jeopardy? Yes. But I would argue, yes, but it's a faster paced version. Yes, it is. Mm. And it's teams, and these kids are very smart. Very smart. Like I was, I was a good student in college. These kids are like on another brilliant. level. They're on another level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're on another level of brilliance. And I will make the argument that one of the gentlemen that we saw, I think he was on the Ole Miss team. Mm-hmm. I think he will be uh, a senator one day. Probably. I hope he runs for president because I'll vote for him. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly when he was talking about supporting higher education. Right. So I'll assume that he is on our side of giving teachers a raise. Right. And making sure that our kids have. Better textbooks, mm-hmm. better desks, pencils, mm-hmm. you know, notebook paper, all that, you know, mm-hmm. and that teachers are able to educate the next generation because we've got to do it, guys. We've got to make sure these are the kids that are going to be taking care of Jennifer and I 
you know, in 50 years from now. That's exactly. <laughs> 40 years from now, I should say. But right. yeah. So, but I, and they great. Um, a lot of great subjects have come up. You no know, art has come up. Mm-hmm. History has come up. Geography has come up. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some uh, a lot of sports questions, which I just. I know so little about the the one the latest episode we saw, which was aired a week ago, and there's a new episode that's going to air um, this evening as we're recording this. Yeah, at ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. They're on Tuesday nights, by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, and you can see it on Hulu and you can see it on Peacock. Right. Very important to catch catch it when you can catch it. But um, without giving too much away, the last episode we saw, the one category I did very well in was uh, about art his her art. It was called art her story. Alright, our story. And it was about female artists. Right. You know what surprised me, babe? What? The one artist that I thought was gonna come up didn't come up and her name was Frida Kahlo. Oh yeah, Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. You're a fan. Yes. Yeah. And I and I am too, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I got every one of those three questions right and I know, you did really well. So basically the format is it's two teams, they play against each other, mm-hmm. and uh, they're answering trivia questions, they pick a category, there's a toss up, it's worth ten points, they get it right. They get to continue with follow-ups. Two follow-ups are each worth 10 points. If they miss it, the other team gets a chance to steal. Right. Now, there's also an extra credit up there. If they get that, the points double to 20. Right. And But the round I love the most, and Jennifer will attest this, is called the two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Where there are six categories. Mm-hmm. And full disclosure, my favorite categories are on the top. Right. History, liberal arts, and I think geography is the other one. I think um, and there's like pre-med in there and there's also a category about sports medicine mm-hmm. and I don't know I, just, I did, and there was a category uh, recently they're in uh, the playoffs right now there was a round they did called um, the dropout mm-hmm. and that determined how many people were going to be in the two minute drill and if you won that round all three of your teammates stayed but if you lost one of your teammates had to sit on the bench Yeah. and I remember they asked a question in the dropout round there was 23 correct answers and you, they're having to guess them one after the other and one was about the Olympics mm-hmm. I got a few of those right mm-hmm. like I know Los Angeles has hosted the Summer Olympics I know that um, Sydney Australia has mm-hmm. um, uh, Berlin Germany mm-hmm. I remember Jesse Owens but there were a few others I was just blanking on did you get any of those uh, the Olympic ones no, right? I didn't no. get any of them right see uh, we're not sports people no with full respect to Olympians yeah, but that's just not our category. No. Like my, I don't. Know, what are your categories, babe? Uh, similar to yours. Your, yeah. Yeah. But you, you especially did very well in science. Anything involving science or animals right. or medicine, right. Jennifer does very well in. Mm-hmm. But you know, she's a nurse, so she's gonna know that subject way better than I will. Right. You're right, babe. Yeah, just a little tinkle in my throat. Oh really? We'll have to get some. We'll have to get some ginger ale in a minute. But anyway, um, so we've we've really been enjoying that. Right. Um. And also, I'll tell you uh, another show I've been watching, which is really good. Um, it's on AMC Plus. Now, it's a new app that's just out. I just got it last night, actually. Yeah, I got a free trial on it. And then it's, I believe it's 8 or $9 after that. And it's really good. So it's called, uh, the show is called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, now, follow me on this one, because you saw the first episode with me, if you remember. Yeah. So let me just, for people that are a little, maybe thrown off by the title, let me just say this. Uh, don't be. I know it's tempting to be thrown off by the title, but don't be. Don't be thrown off by the title. So the series is a uh, part sitcom, um, and it's part uh, serious drama, which AMC has made a killing on in recent years with Mad Men and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and uh, 
Walking Dead, which uh, wouldn't, sorry, I'm not a fan of zombies, so yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't appeal to me. Full respect to those that like it, by the way. Right. But uh, Preacher, which I haven't seen yet, which Seth Rogen produced. Right. Yeah, I'm going to see that. I like Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the series uh, is called Kevin Can Fuck Himself, and it's, um, <laughs> um, it's about, um, it stars Annie Murphy, who many of you would probably know from the um, Netflix series Shit's Creek which she did with uh, Eugene Levy and uh, Catherine O'Hara. Great, very, ta- very talented uh, crew from uh, SCTV, which also gave us Marty Short and our um, our departed John Candy, who we miss terribly. Yeah. But anyway, so when Kevin Can Fuck Himself, it's about um, a couple that's been married for uh, 15 years, mm-hmm. and they live in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And um, Kevin and Allison, they're a couple... And Kevin's the guy that never grew up. Right. They've been married 15 years. They got married there very young. He's the guy that never, ever grew up. That never grew up. No, he's like, he makes Kevin James uh, kind of look like Ward Cleaver. Okay. <laughs> His character, Duck Afferman in um, mm-hmm. The King of Queens. Like, he's kind of a man-child. Like, this Kevin, yeah, he's got nothing on uh, Duck Efferman. Oh. Nothing. Like, and Aunt, Annie, Annie's character, Allison... She's the she's the long suffering wife has a very hard time standing up for herself. Mm-hmm. But when she gets out of that scene, when she goes into a room all by herself without her husband in it, mm-hmm. the for, the room changes from being a sitcom with a laugh track to being a serious a serious drama. Mm-hmm. And in the serious drama world, Annie is able to um, Allison or Allison Allison's able to express how she feels and just get all her inner demons and emotions out. Right. And I've talked to a couple people about it, and I'll just give my review on it. I like the writing of the show. I think Annie and um, Eric Peterson, who plays Kevin, they're really good together. I mean, like I said, it's part Honeymooners, part King of Queens. If I had to take a guess on specifically where I could link it to. But then you add the drama in, and that's a new thing for me. I've never thought of the idea of making a series where it's a sitcom one minute and then it's a serious drama the next minute. I never thought about that before. Right. But, you know, Annie was coming off of the success of Schitt's Creek and a lot of you probably remember when um, her character Alexis um, made that song a little bit Alexis. <laughs> like that's, right. That damn song is so catchy that even I sing it sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. I'm a Hollywood star. I'm a little bit tipsy when I drive my car. <laughs> I just I it, it it's it's such a it's such a weird song that anyone would start singing it at the drop of a hat. Yeah. It's kind of the same f- appeal that like Hollaback Girl had with Gwen Stefani, right. or um, and, uh, since you've been gone by Kelly Clarkson had, or Happy by Pharrell, mm-hmm. or Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Right. They're just a catchy song is a catchy song and it saves me forever. Right. Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. Right. Yeah. You know? Or pretty much just the way you are would be in that group, I guess. Locked Out of Heaven, which is a great song. Treasure, so. But not, um, Uptown Funk probably is the best one. But So, overall, I like the show. The pacing of it's a little slow. But I think that's to be expected because it's on a streaming service. It's not on a major network. Right. First of all, I don't think this show could work on network TV. No. Because it's so experimental. Right. And it's so unique. I'm not to say that network television doesn't make unique shows. They do, to a point. But they still have gatekeepers at the end of the day to the answer right. to. And you ever heard that phrase, he was the gold makes the rules? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
in network television, he who has the gold makes the rules. Right. You get into a major network, they're going to tell you how to, they're going to, you're going to make your show, but then they're going to give you notes and they're going to tell you how to do it and you got to do it their way. Right. Whereas networks like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and AMC, FX, USA Network, HBO, Showtime Stars, they don't have those gatekeepers for the most part. They're able to pretty much do the show the way they want to do it. And I think there's a certain freedom in it. But yeah, so my only complaint is that the pacing of the show is a little weird. And you also wonder, what is Annie capable of in this series? Like, is she capable of doing something really crazy, Kevin? I don't know, because I've only seen, I'm only on the second episode. But I do like the way it came out. And it's, it's, it's definitely a show I would recommend. The app overall is actually really good as well, if, I'm, if, I, if I may say so myself. Because not only do you get you get that show, you get um, Mad Men, you get Leverage, um, you get Fear the Walking Dead, you get The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead spinoff, you get Law and Order uh, UK. Uh, let's see, and I haven't even gotten to the movie department yet. They got uh, the movie department. They have Perfect Storm. They have Silence of the Lambs, one of Jennifer's favorite movies. You like that movie? Yes. Uh, she does. Um, they got the Rambo series is on here. You got Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger, American Werewolf in London, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was very good. 48 Hours. I like the movie. 48 Hours. Hour. It's a great movie with Eddie Murphy. Oh, my God. Roxanne. Just that scene in the in the jail cell where it's, you don't have to put on the red lights. Um, Hunt for Red October is on here. Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Uh, a Few Good Men. Uh, the Fighter with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Now, I'm going to say this. That was a great movie. And the cast, including Christian Bale and Melissa Leo, all fantastic. But Mark Wahlberg should have won an Oscar for his role. Right. And I don't... If you would say, I will say this if I may. I like Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get nominated for another Oscar again. Maybe. I think so. But I think it's got to be for a role like that. It's got to be for a role that nobody sees coming. Right. And I think the other thing is he also likes producing television shows, too. Right. Because, I mean, he's produced Entourage. He's mm-hmm. produced Boardwalk Empire. Uh, one of my favorite shows, In Treatment. Mm-hmm. As someone who's been in, in and out of therapy since he mm-hmm. was 12. Wow. <laughs> in, in and out since I was 12. Right. I'm now 33 now. Wow. Um, I can safely say that um, it's a good thing. And I haven't seen the new, I haven't seen the new version yet, but um, I want to. I want to. It looks, it looks yeah. really good. And I... And I don't know who will be in the new series, but I hope that now um, we can have more of an honest conversation about mental health than we did when the show first premiered. Right. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, and also speaking of movies, last night, Jennifer and I, um, after showing her, I showed Jennifer recently this list that um, I made at work after having a conversation with my friend Jonathan mm-hmm. and my friend Aaron about uh, movies that you'd be surprised that I've never seen. And it's not on here, although we should have added it. Um, it was a wonderful movie that we found on Disney Plus called Turner and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. That was such a great movie. It is fabulous. Classic Disney movie. Very much so. Right, now, good. you saw that movie when it first came out mm-hmm. in 1989. Yes. In the theaters. It was so good. Jennifer also told me that she saw Ghost. Yes, Ghost was right. Have the, you seen Ghost? I saw it with you. Yes. Here's our, I have a great story behind that. So I remember one night we, um, and if we I get it, go oh yeah, we got to head inside. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a commercial break. Um, but, uh, as we take yeah. that, we'll be right back. 
In our latest Alex PSA, I just have one thing to say to all of you out there. I know that dealing with COVID over the past year and a half has been difficult and challenging, but I'll just say this. Please get your vaccinations pronto. Please get your parents to get their vaccinations. We got Jennifer's mother to get hers. And guess what? She's doing great. Her arm's not sore. She hasn't like had problems eating. Like, she's doing great. She's doing good. I don't know what changed her mind. And she was nervous at first to get them too, by the way. Mm-hmm. But you know what? She did it. She did it. Okay. And we're saying this because we don't want another breakout to happen. We don't want another slew of cases to come and hit our way. So we're asking everybody to please be responsible. Please get your vaccinations. If you think you're sick, even if it's, a, even if it's not COVID, but it's a little thing, stay home and take care of yourself. It's going to save lives. And another thing, please don't act a fool at the airport. Jennifer and I are planning to go to Amsterdam next year. We'd like to go there and we would prefer... Not to be on lockdown. We'd like to visit Europe. We want to get our passports. So what we're saying is to the idiots out there who think COVID is a hoax, who think masks cause cancer and think masks are oppressive, uh, here's my response to you. Get your vaccinations. And if you're told to wear a mask, if you know you're going on an airplane where they're going to require you to wear a mask, or if you're going into a store that's going to require you to wear a mask or a restaurant, just Mask up. Thank you. Just mask up. It's very simple. I don't know why we have gotten to the point where we've become crazy conspiracy theorists. I'm just saying, grow up, be responsible, and stop thinking about yourself for a change. This is our life. I want to get back to some sense of normalcy. And in some cases, we have. But we're still not out of the woods yet. So that's why we're telling everybody, please do your part. Don't be selfish. And just get your vaccinations, please. You can do it. It's not that hard. Believe me, you'll save lives. And now, back to the Aspie Files. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. We just had to uh, come inside because the weather outside, it was pouring out there, wasn't it? It was pouring, yes. We had to bring, luckily the lawn chairs are fine. Jennifer uh, and I yesterday, when we were getting our, our uh, weeds set, uh, settled, we brought the lawn chairs a little closer, which is really great for me. So now when I get off work at night, mm-hmm. if I want to have a cold uh, iced tea or a cold soda, I can go out there and have it after work, you know? That's good, honey. It is really good, isn't it? Yes, yeah, very good. So in any um, the other thing we were talking about in the last segment was taking time for yourself. Self-care. That's very, very important. And the other thing that I will tell people is, you have to laugh. You've got to laugh, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a really crazy world, and without laughter, it's kind of frightening. It really is. And one of my favorite comedians, who I'll say, where would our quality of life be without? Jeff Foxworthy has been teaching me that since I was about six years old. Mm -hmm. I first discovered Jeff in a television commercial for his um, stand-up specials that he did for Showtime and also for his first comedy album called You Might Be a Redneck If. And I was, yeah, I know. Jennifer, Jennifer asked me about that term and I told her what the official definition is according to Jeff. The official definition of redneck is a glorious absence of sophistication. And it can be temporary, it can be permanent, but we're all guilty of it from time to time. And Jeff 
to me, is one of the best comedians working. One, because he's a great storyteller. He's a great writer. He paints pictures with his stand-up, but they're relatable pictures, like a Norman Rockwell painting. Right. And Very I... Nice. They really are, yeah. And it's just, and he's funny, and he's actually, to me, he is the funniest clean comic working next to Jerry Seinfeld. It's like the best clean comics I know are Jeff, his buddy Bill Engvall, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Kevin James Sinbad. And another really funny guy I'll mention who uh, has the same manager as Jeff, uh, Henry Cho. Uh-huh. He's from Tennessee. Oh. And he's really funny. He works clean. I actually got to see him with DJ two years ago. We went to the same comedy club that we went to... Um, in 2020? Uh-huh. Yeah, we saw Henry at that club. And so anyway, um, Jeff was the first stand-up comedian to make me laugh. He was the first comic to help me see what it was like to laugh. Mm-hmm. And I always have in awe of Jeff for that. Um, and like a lot of stories of success, his was not particularly tragic. His was not particularly... I will say this, it was an American story. There was some great moments. There was some very difficult moments, particularly his parents divorcing when he was 10. You know, he, he describes it as where he grew up was like Mayberry. He was born in Atlanta, Georgia, in a little town called Hateville. And actually, with the town he was born in, there was only one Chick-fil-A. Only one Chick-fil-A in that small town. And um, the, the, the man that founded Chick-fil-A... Um, Mr. Um, say his name right, Mr. Truett Cathy, he would when he would go into Hayville, he literally would give free Chick Fil A's to the kids there. And Jeff did uh, Mr. Cathy's 90th birthday, and he um, gave after Jeff emceed the event. Uh, Mr. Cathy said to Jeff, "I just want to thank you for what you did," and he gave him a Chick Fil A. <laughs> and Jeff says, uh, "Mr. Cathy, I can afford them now." <laughs> I can afford to buy now, but thank you. Yeah, I know people probably have their beefs with Chick-fil-A, but I will say this. A lot of it, I believe, is because of the people that came after him, after Mr. Kathy. I mean, ask yourself this question, you know. How many kids do you think went to college because of that man, because of Mr. Kathy? You know, they couldn't afford to go to college. How many of them saw that there was a bigger world out there than Hateville, Georgia? And I'm sure Jeff didn't fathom that as a child. He knew he was funny. He knew he liked making people laugh. And, you know, he would buy Bill Cosby records. I know I had a couple of them growing up. And Flip Wilson, Bob Newhart, you know, three of the greatest comedians who walked the planet. And Jeff said he would go to school, do the routines, and he would get in trouble by the principal. As a matter of fact, his principal saw him perform live years later and he said, I can't believe I'm shelling out money to put a stop to the same, shelling out money to hear the same crap I used to put a stop to when you were a kid. <laughs> like the best compliment a comedian can get. Because comedians are wired a little differently than the rest of the world. They're kind of like psychics. They're kind of perceiving the world a little differently than everybody else. What I loved about Jeff was when he first got on stage, and by the way, this was a guy that flunked out of college. Very smart guy, but he flunked out of college because truthfully, he didn't know what he wanted to do. And I love what Jeff said to biography about it. He said, I think it's horrible to tell someone who's 17 years old, to ask them, what do you want to do with your life? You don't really know when you're 17. Hell, I didn't know. And 
What I liked about Jeff was he went to IBM and he was the funny guy at work. He even wrote a book on it uh, years later called How to Stink at Work. And when he worked at IBM, he was there for five and a half, six years. As a matter of fact, he worked in dispatch with his friends and the boss, they walked 20, 30 feet from his desk. The people would call his number, Jeff and the cohort would call the number. As he's getting back to his desk, they'd hang up the phone. Oh, it was so funny. <laughs> it was like, they do that to the guy 20 to 30 times a day. Jeff said, the thing is, you don't want to create the image that you're unreliable because you need the paycheck. <laughs> so his friends actually were the ones that convinced him to get on a stage and do stand-up. And they entered him in a contest for working comedians. It wasn't an amateur night. It was for working comedians. He gets on stage. He writes five. He's got five minutes about his family. He gets up stage and he wins the contest. He also won something else that was very important. The girl of his dreams... Um, and her name was Greg and she, um, was an actress and she was actually rooting for another comic that night, but she met Jeff and Jeff spilled uh, a drink on her pants accidentally. And he goes, Oh no, I'm embarrassed that you'll never go out with me. And I like what Greg said. Well, you've never asked. (laughs) And he knew at that moment, he knew she was the one. They got married in 1985, and she was the one that actually convinced Jeff to quit his job at IBM to do um, stand-up full-time. Right. And in the beginning, like the first year he did comedy, he made $8,000, right. which was like a fraction of what he made at IBM. But, you know, and, and in fact, the first month he said he made like $20. Wow. He'd make that much, yeah. So, but what he realized early on was... If I think it, if my friends think it, if my wife thinks it, if my wife's friend thinks it, it's got to be true and other people can relate to it. And that's how the redneck thing came in. One night he was at a club in Detroit, and he always was a guy that wore blue jeans and cowboy boots and everything. Um, even in clubs in New York and L.A., and people would tell him, you got to think voiceless and you lose that stupid accent you got. Uh-huh. And, you know, Jeff's like, a cool- most of the country talks like I do. And anyway, or a good portion of it anyway. So... Jeff took that bit. He's in a club in Detroit where they are valet parking at the bowling alley. And so Jeff gets on stage and he said, you know, a lot of people don't know if they're a redneck. To me, the definition of redneck, and he would say, it's glorious absence of sophistication. I wrote a little test to see if you could tell. You know, um, if you consider the fifth grade to be my senior year... (laughs) If you ever brought a six-pack of beer to a funeral, um, if someone asked your name and you show them your belt buckle, <laughs> and so he would just go, and by the way, even, you know, he first started working on that bit in the late 80s, early 90s, it is 2021, and he's still coming up with bits for it. It shocks, it boggles my mind. And, you know, those first few years were tough for Jeff. You know, but the good thing is, as Greg pointed out in the interview, they didn't have any kids, they didn't have any money, but they were loving their life. They loved this adventure they were on. And then um, she was the one that actually convinced Jeff to go to Los Angeles because Jeff was headlining at every comedy club in the country, but he was also mailing tapes to The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And by this time, Johnny 
was hosting less and less. He was still the main host, but Jay Leno was filling in for him a lot. Um, and Jay saw Jeff perform, and this is after Jeff had moved to L.A. Jeff's wife's like, if you don't go to L.A., you'll never know if you, you – you'll never know if you could have made it or not if you don't try L.A. or New York because you had to be there to get on The Tonight Show. Well, Jeff got to L.A. He met a guy named Jay Leno. <laughs> Jay at the time, as I mentioned, was uh, guest hosting for Johnny. And Jay uh, said to Jeff, hey, Jeff, it's Jay Leno. Hey, listen, I know you're working uh, – at this one club, I'm working right across the street. When you're done, come on my show and we'll talk. And he talked to Johnny and uh, Johnny put him on and Jeff nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. And he did it six minutes on the dot. Apparently, when uh, comics got up to do six minutes on The Tonight Show, you had to be six minutes. Couldn't be 5.55, couldn't be 6.05, had to be six minutes on the dot. And... Jeff's material just flew and flew and flew. Johnny loved it. Johnny called him over, and that is the ultimate compliment in comedy. The two, and at that time anyway, there was The Tonight Show and there was uh, Letterman. And there was Arsenio Hall too, but Johnny was still the guy. That was the show to do if you wanted to be famous. It was either Letterman or Carson, and Carson was still the king at that time. And with that one appearance... And getting called over to the couch was a big, big deal. The next week, Jeff got called in to play every casino in Vegas. Every casino was like, hey, Johnny likes you. Come on in. Showtime wanted to do a special. And he got a deal on his first book, Rodney Dangerfield, who he had been on Young Young Comedian Special with, with Rodney. Rodney wrote the intro to Jeff's first book. And that became a big uh, seller as well. I actually had that book at one point. It's a really good book. And Jeff became one of the hottest comedians in the country. And then the albums came. Jerry Seinfeld once said, when you're a comedian, you get called a kit. And the kit includes your own sitcom. It includes books. It includes Vegas. It includes a whole horse of other things. The one thing Jeff didn't like doing was a sitcom. Now, I watched bits of it, and I liked it. I really, But then again, I'm a fan of... You know, family sitcoms like Roseanne and um, now it's the Connors. Home Improvement, Last Man Standing, The Bernie Mac Show, Cosby Show, Family Matters, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, things like that. And I also watched Grace Under Fire, Brett Butler. She was really funny too. Oh, if that show ever got – that show ever came back, oh, I think it would be a huge hit, but probably not on uh, ABC, which it was on. And that was the network that Jeff Foxworthy show was on. And in the beginning, it was a Midwestern sitcom – but it just – it floundered after one season. Then it moved to NBC, and in the second season, it followed Jeff and his family moving back to Georgia. And it actually was a better show in the second season. I've been watching reruns of it on Peacock, um, and it's just absolutely fantastic. But it just never appealed to the suits that were running the networks. Like the people that run, that run the network, as I said, he who has the gold makes the rules – they didn't really understand Jeff. They really, really didn't. As a matter of fact, Jeff told the story one time. There was a guy with a ponytail and like three earrings in one of his ears. And he's like, I understand you and your people. Now, first of all, that phrase alone is just freaking insulting. And Jeff looked at him and went, my people would beat the hell out of you. <laughs> and I would pay real money to see that because he did look like a pompous douchebag asshole. But uh, <laughs> um, 
nevertheless, um, after two seasons, one on ABC, one on NBC, show got canceled, and Jeff moved back to Atlanta. He moved back to Atlanta so he could be near his parents, um, and it was time well spent because Dad, Jeff's father died in 1999 um, in a car accident in Alabama, and, you know... It's a tough loss, and I speak as someone who lost his father 10 years ago. You, you never get over it. At any given point, you're 50% happy, 50% sad. And the thing that I think helps you is just time and friends and family and getting, you know, trying to get back into a normal routine. It's, it's, it's a process. It takes time. And, you know, I will safely say this, like, you know, the way Jeff described his dad, you know, it seemed like a lot like my dad, very, um, very funny and very warm and affectionate. Um, my dad was not married six times. Jeff's dad was though. <laughs> oh, but my, uh, my, one of my uncles who's named after me, he was married three times. So, but, um, no, I admire Jeff for making that statement. Hey, I want, I still want to be a stand up, and I can do that from Atlanta. So what he would do is he would still tour and still make comedy albums what he did that helped was he would lease a plane out of uh, the airport in Atlanta and he would fly to gigs and then fly back every night. So he'd fly to a gig in like St. Louis or St. Louis, Missouri or St. Paul, Minnesota. He'd get on the plane in the afternoon, get to the gig. He'd come home two, three in the morning. And, and by the way, uh, his friend Bill Engvall, uh, pointed out that they were at one airport one time when they were touring together and people just stopped Jeff like he was a rock star they literally stopped him like he was Billy Joel and or Elvis Presley and uh, Jeff stopped to every single fan he said hi how you doing hey how you doing and you know didn't turn away one person and there's something to be said about that in this business there's a lot of assholes in this business and there's a lot of people that just turn away their fans my friend Sharon um, from New York actually saw him when she lived in Los Angeles. She um, saw Jeff when he was recording Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And we'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, um, she said how, what a nice man he was. He was just in a rush. And they talked for a, a brief time. And then, you know, he had to um, scoot. But she was really happy to meet him and see how nice he was and how funny he was to her. And there's something to be said about that. There is something to be said about... What you see is what you get in show business, and Jeff's one of those people. And his generosity says a lot, too. You know, the work he's done with the Children's Hospital and Wounded Warriors, the Atlanta Mission, which he's um, helped homeless, you know, addicts who are trying to get off the street, trying to get their lives in order. He's led Bible studies with them, and he's, he's helped them realize, look, no one defines you but God. Like... This person can say this about you. This person can say that. But you're loved. And you should know that. You sh you're loved and you should love others as you would want to be loving yourself. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you had done to yourself. Um, so, yeah, that generosity. And then that generosity carried on in 2000 when he started the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Jeff said that started out of the... Um, Reading, he read an article in the Atlanta paper about um, the original Kings of Comedy, which featured Bernie Mac, Steve Harvey, D.L. Hughley, Cedric the Entertainer. 
And it was a show that was labeled for the urban hip audience. And Jeff said, well, that leaves a lot of people out. And Ingvall said, well, what do you want to call our tour? It's like, well, let's call it the Blue Collar Tour. And they were going to do it for three months. And Larry actually was the last guy they got on the, on the leg of the tour. They started with one guy for the first 12 shows. Didn't work out. Jeff saw Larry at the Grand Ole Opry. And Larry killed it. He literally killed it. They got Larry on. And uh, three months became three years, and then, you know, three movies <laughs> that I saw on Comedy Central. The first two, by the way, are really good. Uh, Blue Collar, Comedy Store of the Movie, and Blue Collar uh, Rides Again. Those are the best ones. Uh, one more for the road's okay, but the first two are the best. They really are. And in the first one, Jeff's the last one. The other guys, they get like 10, 15 minutes. I don't know if Bill got a little longer. Jeff got 45 minutes. So it was it was clear he was the Frank Sinatra of that group and that he was it – was, it was like a comedy rat pack to me. Well, the original King's Comedy was, you know, so was the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. So was like these – that tour of just like, oh, these are great comics. They're somewhat similar, but they're also somewhat different too. And it just worked. And – the franchise included those, you know, three movies and a television show that was on uh, WB for two seasons, Blue Collar TV. I'd love to see Netflix bring it back or one of these networks, Comedy Central, if you're paying attention, please, please, please bring it back, bring it back. I hope Jeff, Larry, and Bill will join. That would be great if Ron White comes, but Ron's a little blue on his own. Ron White, one of the funniest comedians I've ever seen in my life. The man, uh, they called me Tater Salad. He was just, and he would just, his tangents and these stories he would tell about, his, you know, just trying to figure out who the hell he is as a man. It's just, it's just great. It really is. What was also great is that when they did the second tour in the second movie, they asked Jeff, hey, uh, we're going to do, we'd love to do another uh, movie. Uh, do you want to do something different? How do you want to make this movie different? Jeff says, well, everybody gets the same money. Everybody gets the same time. And Ron White said because of that generosity, he went from making $3,500 a week in clubs to making half a million dollars a night performing to thousands of people in big arenas. And Larry the Cable Guy, same thing. He was making, you know, several thousand a week in clubs. And from that tour, and Jeff saying, hey, you're funny, let's let's tour together. He went from making thousands a week to making 250, 300,000 a night performing in 12, 15, 18,000 seat arenas at times. Larry said he was very happy he got was able to get a jet too. And I'm like, brother, for all the times you called into radio shows and for taking that audition for Blue Collar where you didn't get paid anything, but they got your room for the night. Yeah, you deserve it, brother. And they all did, by the way. Every last one of them was funny in their own unique way. I probably should hold. I'm definitely going to do another episode about each of the three, the other three guys, uh, Ron and Ron White, Larry the Cable Guy, and Bill Engvall. I'd love to do one on them. That'd be great. Um, but the success of that also led to Jeff also hosting Are you two game shows, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader in the American Bible Challenge. Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader was on Fox, and then it was in syndication, then it came back to Fox for a brief time. But basically, the format of the show was Jeff had five kids who were in the fifth grade, and they were going to help an adult see if they were smarter than the kids. And if they proved it, they won $1 million. It kind of had that millionaire feel. Mark Burnett, who produced, um, uh, he produced The Survivor, and he produced The Apprentice, and he produced, I can't believe I just said The Apprentice. <laughs> oh, Lord, I apologize for that. <laughs> um, and Shark Tank, which I really like. Uh, I've been watching that with a friend of mine lately. Um, 
What Fifth Grader was had that similar kind of millionaire feel to it. It was like the lights and the music and the the questions. They were and they were grade level appropriate, by the way. <laughs> Jeff said, as long as they gave me the answers on the blue cards, it'd be a great show. Otherwise, it'd be the shortest game show. He says, I don't pretend to know any of that. And I'm like, but you're a smart guy, Jeff. But you know, um, I love that. And the American Bible Challenge came not long after that. And that was where there were teams of nuns and cowboys. I think they had rabbis on there too. They had tattoo artists, basically, who were going on answering questions about the Bible. But they didn't get to keep the money. Every dollar that they won went to deserving charities. Some went to food banks. Some went to or an organization that fought human trafficking. Um... The nuns, who, by the way, also like basketball and volleyball. They were really cool nuns. They played for a, a retirement home. It was just, oh, my God. It was just really, really nice people. And Jeff got to, you know, be Jeff. And, you know. But, um, by the way, um, Jeff and Larry have a Netflix special. I just want to get that out there called We've Been Thinking. If you haven't seen it, I've seen it twice. It's fantastic. And I'm definitely going to see it again after we finish up here. But, um I guess what I'm saying is, Jeff Foxworthy, thank you for encouraging all of us to be ourselves and to be funny and to love each other as you would your neighbor. And, you know, I can't thank you enough for that. You're a great man. And we hope to see you uh, in Florida later this year. That'll be wonderful. Um, But uh, we got to say goodbye because Jennifer uh, and I have got to watch a movie and we're going to go out to dinner soon. So as we like to say, have that piece of cheesecake. Read that book. Go for that kayak ride. Go for that swim. Um, Call your friends. Call your aunt. Call your uncle. uh, And uh, call your dad if you can. Um, And we love talking to you. We love hearing about you. Um, And what you've done for us in the Ask Me Files, ladies and gentlemen. You can listen to us on Apple and on Google and on Spotify and on Anchor, our main distributor, and on Breaker and on Radio Public. We love you, and we will see you next time on the Aspie Files. Take it easy. Cha-cha-cha.